Podcast for the Handmade. My name is Tom Chick. I'm here with Christian Rinsky. I like to be known as Agassi. And with our Handmaiden tagline, can't wait for these, Kelly Wand. How much for just the lollipop? <laughs> Keep them coming, Kelly Wand. I have a feeling there's going to be a few of these. Not meant for the male gaze, how? Keep going. Um. <laughs> It's like old boy, but with young girls. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's, that's yep. like you, you peaked there, right? You're, yep. you're, yeah. Very good. Very good. Quit while I'm ahead. Uh, all right. So is it The Handmaiden or Handmaiden? The Handmaiden. It's The Handmaiden. There's the only one of them. Okay. There's only one of them. Right. 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 Exactly. There's no confusion. It's like Doctor Strange. Well, you know, there is. The last. Now, I'm not sure I agree with that, by the way. There's multiple Doctor Stranges? No, I think they're both – well, you know, I don't want to spoil anything about the plot. That's a good point. Yeah, we'll get At the, the end, there's a bunch of Doctor Stranges. Dingus, tell the listeners, don't spoil anything like I was about to do. What is this handmaiden business, and what's the Korean word for it? Um, I don't know what the Korean word for it since the title is something else. Um, this week we saw The Handmaiden. It was also known as Agassi. That doesn't mean handmaiden? No, it means lady or missus. Oh, so it's the opposite. Oh, so it's about different, yeah, it's like a let me in. <laughs> yep. It's about a different character in title-wise. That, that's why I made a point of saying that we should understand what the difference in the title is, and I'm really interested in the in the, in the title change. Uh, so anyway, uh, this is uh, this was The Handmaiden, a 2016 South Korean erotic psychological thriller drama romance movie. It's a good thing you specified which Korea, I guess. That could be confusing. It could be. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys know about North Korea's like dalliance with the the film industry? And I think it's like the seven, like uh, Kim. The Dong interview. Uh, well, I think that's might might have been where I heard about it. Is didn't they make it the, the movie? Well, he kidnapped a Japanese filmmaker, Kim Jong. Il. Wait, not the not the one who's in power now. Father and Ill was the old, old right. Movie. So Ill kidnapped, uh, I believe, a Japanese filmmaker and pressed him into service. This. Yeah, yeah, to make some big crazy action. It might have been a monster movie even about North Korea. How did he catch him? And well, there, there actually no right joke. There, there is actually a, a history of, of North Koreans abducting Japanese folks in South Korea. Like there's, that's like in this movie. Well, uh, well, well, we'll get to that. So the, anyway, not a North Korean movie, a South Korean movie. Dingus. So thanks for pointing that out. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go well, ahead. In fact, my son asked me tonight: Is, is there such a thing as Korea? <laughs> Man, that's, that's what they want to know. That's irrelevant. Yeah, that is a very sad, trenchant observation on your son's part, Dingus. Yep. Um, I remember when he asked you if we need testicles. About how important? Okay. Anyway, <laughs> South Korean erotic psychological thriller drama romance movie about how important it is to read aloud to your kids. It was directed by a Park Chan Wook. And written by him with uh, Seo Kun Chung, based on the novel The Fingersmith by Sarah Waters. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yep. It's based That's on the, the best title of the three. Yep. Uh, it stars uh, 
Kim Min Hee, Kim Tae Ri, Hai Jing Wu, and Cho Jing Wung. The Handmaiden is not rated. Okay, but Kelly Wan, if it had been rated, can you think of anything that should have been in the rating? I would have rated it G for <laughs> some Asian people, art forgery, and a snake. So, you know, parents should beware. All right. Uh, the Handmaiden is at 84 on Metacritic. On Rotten Tomatoes, the percentage of reviews that are positive is 94%. Uh, for Cinema Score, all the people they tried to pull got bored and left before it was over. So there was no one to tear the little ticket and give it a rating, unfortunately. So that's a perfect score. <laughs> exactly, right. Uh, uh, the Handmaiden didn't make any money. It's one of those super limited releases, so its box office at this point is negligible. Um, Kelly Wand, let's now, before we uh, – let's get into some spoiler talk about The Handmaiden. And Kelly Wand, let's start with you explaining to us a little bit about what I saw here. <laughs> what do you mean? There's a lot of stuff going on that I would like to – What's the segue? I kind of want to know how it looked through your eyes, frankly. Oh, <laughs> my, white, my white male gaze. You want my take on Whichever that? perspective you applied to it, I look forward to hearing about that. Yes. Oh, uh, you shouldn't. <laughs> the hand mopsis. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to guess, by the way. <laughs> Superimposed over dewy cherry blossoms, some words are all part wopsis. A gaggle of Korean girls watch soldiers on horses canter by. One of the soldiers is all, hey, you ladies might want to get inside. I think there's an air raid coming. Those exist yet? The girls all giggle. The madam hands the hottest one a jade hairpin and goes, Okay, Suzatska, today's the day you start deceiving that Japanese book lover. One of the other girls hugs Suzatska sadly and goes, I never get to do anything fine. A 1920s car picks up Suzatska and drives her through the credits to a big house with stuff in it. There, the head handmaidens all, You must be Suzatska. Welcome to whichever part of Korea this is. Your tasks include sleeping near Lady Brenda. Massaging her, bathing her, undressing her, watching her eat a banana, and occasionally filing her teeth down. I lean over to William Hung sitting beside me and go, quadruple dream job alert. Suzatska's VO's all, that was six things, Kelly. But now that you've seen how scenic my commute to the house was, I grew up in a sorority of criminals. As you can see here, my sister Blair's job was to breastfeed babies for sale to Japanese egg merchants. Tootie's job was to fence the chain links. Natalie was to chisel the serial numbers off the phony chopsticks. Mrs. Garrett looked after us with her lovable calculator. Such a mother hen. She'd bite any coin you gave her. Under her tutelage, we felt so empowered that we worked under this man with a mustache, Kevin. How I yearn like Kelly to be on breastfeeding detail. But since I was the new girl, my job was to walk Kevin walk in one day, use the hairpin to take the Buddha salt shaker out of the stairs and go, let me tell you a cool story. <laughs> A Korean bibliophile discovered a gold mine. You know what that means, Japanese wife. So I need one of you to help me seduce his niece, then get her, I mean, put in a Tokyo madhouse. I mean, her, you, wait. Blair's all, I'll do it, look at these, whoop, whoop. Yeah, no thanks. In keeping with my secret agenda, I need someone a little dull-witted. I mean, Suzatska here. Ready? Suzatska's VO's all. I felt sorry for the poor lady I was about to deceive, so I said, only if I get all her jewels... Kevin just laughed and shook his head, so I guess that was a yes. Later, 
Dear Diary, being Brenda's personal LaBeouf's a blast. She's like another of the many sisters I already have. She's so fun, always up for tickling, sharing a lollipop, always confiding her medical issues. Keep saying she has an itch that needs scratching. Oh, sounds terrible. And her uncle loves books so much, he keeps a plastic snake by his portcullis. Anyway, what was your question? I didn't ask a question. I told you to meet me out here at this field so you could tell me why you keep storming into my painting sessions with Brendan screaming, get your filthy male paws off her. You're supposed to be getting her to like me. Other than that, thanks for all your work so far. Speaking of which, here's some doctors. This is a mental institution. Ha ha. <laughs> Too early to grip her arm. <laughs> One dunks her head into the butterfly net he's holding. Suzat's Kazal. That bitch! She stares at Brenda with annoyance till Brenda's VO's all. Yeah, that's right. I'm a fucking bitch. And this third's about my childhood. <laughs> See, she's Korean. Korean accent. Some Korean symbols are all part twapsis. Brenda's all. When I was a kid, I had straight hair. I think my mom died in childbirth and my aunt hung herself. Here's what learning how to look at book illustrations in my household was like. And this picture? Octopus. And what color's the page? White. And what was Matt Damon's character's name in Interstellar? Man! The Uncle Scowl stands up, crosses to their side of the table, grips each of their faces in his fists, and playfully suffocates them for a bit. <laughs> Finally, he lets go and storms off. Brenda's B.O.'s all. It wasn't always fun in games, though. Sometimes this had happened. This is somewhere else in a room. Christian Gray's voice is warm and husky like dark melted chocolate fudge caramel or something. I can almost hear his sphinx-like smile through the phone. And from a very tiny, underused part of my brain, probably located at the base of my medulla oblongata here near where my subconscious dwells, comes the thought my cheeks must be the color of the communist manifest. Yeah, stop. You read like a dog does while I'm trying to eat. Slow down. Let the prose flow through you like tea through a butterfly. Hearing his words instantly made... <laughs> oh, fuck you, L. James. <laughs> Blame you for that. And call me. Hearing his words instantly aged me ten years and changed my eye color, but my reading improved until one day my uncle had his friends over to wear suits. Brenda sits before some bleachers populated by Asian guys in tuxedos. She daintily opens a scroll and goes, Christian Gray's lips pot like he's taken a sharp intake of breath and he blinks. For a fraction of a second, he looks lost and the earth's tectonic plates slide into a new position. Holy crap, Christian's wearing a white shirt open at the collar and tray flannel pants. One of the guys crosses his legs with discomfort while another coughs and places a top hat over his bulging groin. <laughs> She turns the page and goes, I imagine him as an old-time movie director wearing jodhpurs, holding an old-fashioned megaphone and a riding crop. My inner goddess is doing the merengue with some salsa moves. He steps out of his Converse shoes and reaches down and takes his socks off individually, one by one. Christian Gray's feet. Wow, what is it about him? The guys in tuxedos all writhe and moan with lust. Smirking, the uncle gestures. Eunuchs and tutus gracefully open some drapes behind Brenda's regally seated figure, revealing some bad weather. Uh, blah, blah, uh, now I know what all the fuss is about. When Christian's lips contort noisily, my knobs feel like they're coming apart at the seams like the spin cycle on a washing machine. Holy crap, wow. 
the guys all sweatily mop their brows and look sheepishly down at their tented spats. The uncle walks on stage clapping. He's all, and now another library favorite of mine, a scene from White Palace, starring James Spader and Susan Sarandon. <laughs> Brenda clears her throat, turns a page, and goes, The second she asked me if I wanted fries with that, I knew I wanted a nose full of the dust in her dice buster. The guys in tuxedos start moaning and sweating. <laughs> they love it. One guy's pants explode. As the rest begin debating how that was possible, Brenda's eyes narrow on one of them in particular. Hmm, a mustache. wonder if the carpet matches. Ten explosions later, she's sitting in her sitting room. When there's a knock on the door, and Kevin comes in and shuts it. He's all, hi, I'm Kevin. Don't worry, I was only faking sexual arousal earlier to be polite to your uncle. Look, it's proof you can trust me. I came here to seduce you and dump you in a mental asylum. But after watching how you do everything your uncle says, I realize you're too independent to fall for a dumbass. So I say we kill me and you run away with your uncle to the asylum. Wait. Uh, no. I seduce my uncle and then we feed the snake to the octopus. God, you dumb. Look, let's just keep the asylum part as is, but you bring me a new maid that we'll put in the asylum by forging the missing book page. Actually, I'll just have one of my other maids steal a shoe. They'll be feeling especially mischievous after I fire one of them for sleeping with you. He's all, no, no, wait, wait. As they argue more heatedly and start drawing over each other's Venn diagrams, her VO's all, I'd finally met a kindred spirit. Little did I know it, however, but my life was about to get confusing. Some Korean symbols are all part thropsis. Lady Brenda, I heard you moan my name. What is it? Oh, just a dream. Uh, hey, can you come into bed with me for a few? I want to tell you about it. Closer. Uh, don't be shy. I won't bite, thanks to that magic thumb of yours. What else does it do? JK, actually, could you take your nightie off? Silk's bad for my sheets. Oh, yeah. Oh, those are amazing. Lady Brenda, it's cold in here. If you're okay... Well, since you asked, what's this fuck proposed to me today? That we put you into an asylum... I mean marriage. I'm not sure if I know how to please a man, though, unless reading aloud's involved. Well, if it's Kelly, in your case, you just stand there and breathe. Who? Anyway, I thought maybe if you weren't busy, we could, you know, explore each other. I mean, you could instruct me in the ways of love, so I can do them to Kevin. Well, this feels a little awkward, but... Ow! Oh, that's it. Uh, flicker more, like a lizard. No, you smear it. Here, suck on the solipop first to help with the taste. Lady Brenda, are you sure you've never done this before? I thought I was supposed to be teaching you... Shh, that's it. Shh. A woman's talking. Shh. Everything's under control. Ah, oh, this is the best I've ever felt. Later. Fuck it. Guess I'll hang myself. What the? Lady Brenda, I caught your feet. How fortunate it was that I happened to be right under you at the proper moment. Wait, wouldn't you have seen me earlier? Look, Suzatsky, I really like what we have together, i.e. sex. I think it's really cute how you've been trying to trick me into liking Kevin and make me legally insane in accordance with Japanese-Korean law. But I have a confession to make. I've been tricking you into liking Kevin. Or something. Suzatsky clutches Brenda's feet and sighs. We were perfect together. One week later... Man, that was so great today, having our wedding reception at the mental asylum. <sighs> Can't believe I got those stupid orderlies to figure out which one he was nuts on the first try. This is the best honeymoon ever. Sorry, what was the question? I said, drink what I spiked this wine with. I mean, this wine that I... Sp Just drink the spiked wine. Okay. Mm. Mm, chalky. Listen, I know we only married for profit, but no reason we can't have a good time, too. So would you mind leaving while I masturbate to this dollar sign? Ugh. Jesus, what an idiot. I didn't even spike the wine yet. Kevin wakes up naked and handcuffed in a puddle of his own filth being stared at by two gangsters. He's all, thank God. I had the most horrible dream I was married. Someone tossed me my pants and has 50 cigars in it, or as I call it, a mouthful. 
Meanwhile, at a train station, a Japanese security guy squints at the passport photo of Kevin, then holds it up alongside Suzatska standing in line in front of him. She's wearing one of those fake glasses, nose, and mustache things. He's all, okay, good. <laughs> he holds up Brenda's passport photo next to Brenda. Her clothes and expression are identical. He frowns. <clears throat> so what business did you have in Korea recently? Actually, stay here. I'm getting the polygraph, which since I think this is the 1920s, is made out of wood. In fact, you're under arrest for impersonating yourself. Stay right there. Hastily, Brenda flips <laughs> open a book. She's all. Um, uh, I was consumed by the mystery Edward's vampire fangs represented. As I stared at them, my eyes began doing the lombada, and I found myself belching uncontrollably right there in Holmec. OMG. The passport guy and all the nearby men start swooning and sweating and adjusting their pants. Yawning with relief, Brendan and Suzatska giggle past them and board a ship bound for the Marianas Trench. Meanwhile, in the basement, Kevin smokes a cigar while the old man with eyebrows cuts his fingers off. As he loses finger number nine, Kevin's all, <laughs> women, am I right? <laughs> Suddenly, the old man starts coughing on the smoke. He's all, <clears throat> mercury poisoned cigars, such foresight. Yeah, shit. I thought these were the helium ones. Just wanted her voices to sound. They slump. In the boat cabin, Brenda and Suzatska remove each other's clothes and draw more mustaches on each other. Brenda's all, oh yeah, I almost forgot. I got a surprise for you. Me too. Yours first. Let's do it together. Ready? What now? They're each holding out 34 and a half bells. Together they're all, aw, 69. Aren't they technically balls? Hey, we're still talking at the same time. Thanks for watching. As they sit giggling out of frame, I wave goodbye to them with my free hand, then look over at Stan and Spike Lee and go, now that's an origin story. The end. <laughs> uh, well, what we'd like to do is give you our over-unders right from the outset now, uh, so everybody knows where we stand, and then discuss the movie some. So I'm going to go first. Uh, I really like this, and, and in the pantheon of erotic thrillers, I would put it just underneath one called In the Cut, which I really, really like. And slightly above, a classic called Body Heat. So uh, I'm ranking this pretty high. Dingus, what are your overs and unders for The Handmaiden? All right. The, this, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, really like this movie a lot. Um, and I, the way I'm ranking it is movies that were totally weird for me uh, tonally uh, that, I, that I might not have gotten at first, but eventually I kind of figured out just had weird tonal things for me. And so I'm choosing two movies by the same uh, pair of brothers that I think that this movie really goes with. Uh, and so right under this, I would put Man Who Wasn't There, and right over this, I would put the movie uh, Barton Fink. I imagine Chanwook Park would be elated to hear that. I sure hope so, because uh, I, I think also, I think Carter Bur Burwell would be happy to hear it. Ah, yeah. Kelly Wand, what's a movie that's slightly better than The Handmaiden in your estimation and one that's not quite as good? Uh, my overs, blue is the warmest color because um, it's more graphic. No. Wow. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Uh, okay. Wait, what were you sighing about? You thought that was no, I haven't seen it. kind no, of low-hanging fruit. Well, no, no, because I haven't seen it. I want to see it. I've been meaning to see it for a while and haven't gotten around to it. It's just about a relationship between two women. Well, don't, I don't, I don't, yeah. I, we uh, don't know. Oh, okay, all right, all right. The, I was saying the fact that you liked it better than this. I, maybe you didn't like this, though. So go ahead. What is your under, then? No, I loved it. Okay. I just like the parts of the other one I've seen. I don't know. It's a, it's a tight fit. It's like a bell. <clears throat> but my under is uh, Wild Things. <laughs> right, sure. Because I feel Wild Things jumps the shark halfway through, but 
The Handmaid never really jumps the shark. I liked it like from beginning to end. I thought well, it was really I, good. I wished I hadn't known that there was a bunch of like uh, hot lesbian sex in it, and I forgot how I found that out. But I, for, one of the things I really admired about this is I thought I was watching a, a Korean Jane Eyre for a while, yeah, like that sort of yeah. thing, and then it it morphs into this three act wild things that doesn't jump the shark like it doesn't right. do that like it, it's just really consistent and sees it through to the end as an erotic thriller and it qualified for both of those adjectives uh, super erotic and super thrilling i thought um and i think just chanwook park is uh it's just become an excellent filmmaker i mean old boy and some of the vengeance trilogy stuff is a little hit or miss for me. Thirst didn't work for me as well as I think Ding. Oh, I love Thirst. I know, right, right. But I'm but, a Thirst apologist. But I, I think here he's really just showing a mastery of the craft. Like this is this is just some like impeccable filmmaking. I think. Yeah, and it looks like a David Lean movie. It's really beautifully composed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, Dingus, what's the tonal stuff you were talking about? All right. So for me, uh, the most difficult for, thing for me was just figuring out what tone is this movie going for, because I had a really hard time getting to, um, I don't know, enter this movie, getting to feel like I was part of it or getting to understand what he was going for. Uh, it felt like there was just some weird humor thrown in and that weird David Lean thing that Kelly Wan just mentioned, um, as well as this, uh, this sense of, I don't know, like you, you feel like, um, Chris Markinson says it better than I'm going to. So he says, I assume this is going to be some sort of war epic about a Chinese woman uh, having to serve somebody in Japan during the war. And he says how happily wrong I was. So at the beginning, it kind of feels like, you know, with with that opening in the rain, the kids following the soldiers and then scampering off. It kind of feels like there's there's going to be some humor there. But at the same time, we're giving up babies. and then there's this other like con man thing that's going on, and then this constant sense that I have in the beginning that it's that it's not only uh, a Coen Brothers tone, but that it's like Barry Sonnenfeld Coen Brothers, Barry Sonnenfeld era Coen Brothers cinematography in a couple of parts, and I and I and I just couldn't quite get a handle on it, and then all the erotic stuff starts to happen, um, so I const- I I felt I felt very uh, unsure of myself tonally. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you uh, anticipate any of the twists? Um, no, I, I didn't see the, the the sort of the I don't know if you would call it tertiary. <laughs> I, I didn't see the the way that the the cons were going to go, and I, and I think that's kind of part of the brilliance of the editing of yeah. this movie and the way it's put together. Uh, I really love the structure of this movie, although at first I brooked at the length of it. Um, Watching it again, I don't know where I would cut it, um, but it was a difficult watch the first time through because it is quite lengthy for what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I don't know where I would cut it. Now, didn't if I'm not mistaken, before we were going to do this as a podcast, didn't you kind of wave me off of this, Dingus? Um, I kind of did, yeah. Uh, because but you liked it. I didn't quite know what to make of it. Um, uh, and I, I saw it in weird circumstances. It just didn't quite work for me. You, you brought you brought your twelve uh, year old, your eleven year old son. That must have been awkward. Yeah, my son and I went to see it because we thought it was another. <laughs> we thought it was a Marvel movie. That was a mistake. <laughs> like that, the Handmaid was a superhero. The Handmaid, yeah. the Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> the power of the bells didn't work for him. I wish. At all. Um, 
No, uh, it it just I don't know. It was it was a difficult watch first, but it just kept sticking with me. Um, and I wrote it like there, you know, uh, one of our listeners who didn't necessarily write in, but he wrote a thread. His name's uh, Soren Hoagland, um, and I and I did ask for him for permission specifically. Can I talk about this on the podcast? Even though you're not you're not going to email in, he's like, yeah, that's totally cool. Um, this is a movie he saw at something called Fantastic Fest, and he really, really liked it, but he didn't necessarily recommend it to me. And when he posted about how much he liked it, I said, you know, I have so many so many troubles with this movie, and these are the things I had troubles with. And now that when I look back at that post of the things I had troubles with, there's so many things that I'm saying that I liked about it as well. And I think it's that element of... For me, for whatever reason, I have to really kind of sit with the movie sometimes and write about it for a bit before it really starts to make sense for me. And this is that kind of movie for me. I think one of the the prerequisites for an erotic thriller to be effective is it it has to kind of push the limits of what makes you comfortable and what you're used to seeing in a movie. Yeah. Like because because eroticism we're so decon we're so conditioned to like titillating nudity and magazines like maxim are basically like what playboy used to be and so what is an erotic thriller to do and i'm constantly like i was just delighted with how this really felt weird and uncomfortably erotic in an odd way uh and you know they're they're beautiful girls and there was just like weird stuff going on like and then they introduced things like with the basement um and just i mean what was kind of i guess the equivalent of pornography back then uh, complete with the yeah. the weird, dirty stigma of it. Um, Get dressed up for it. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, and and so as far as like, how do you make an erotic thriller in an age where we've seen it all and it's all readily available on the internet? I thought it did a great job of putting it in historical context and still making it feel uneasy to watch. Um, but and, and for just me, is blending in comedy because because. Within the eroticism is there. There is some awkwardness, yeah, and there are things that are just silly, uh, and that feel silly. Too. You know, um, you know, people. I, I kept saying like, "Oh, this is such a sexy movie. This is such a sexy movie," and my first reaction was, "It's not as sexy as it thinks it is." Thinks it is, but I think it understands, or uh, Park, uh, you know, Park Chan will understands how to um, how to blend humor. Into sex what in are, a way are, that I don't necessarily understand. What do you guys think some of the silly bits are? Because I'm kind of like I, uh, I like it. It wasn't deadly serious, but I'm trying to think what were silly bits. Like what were what were examples of the humor? The bells. Like? Well, right but, from the beginning, you know, when she when they're in in bed together in that in that scene where she's like, oh, I have to teach her some things, and she's. You know, she's been stuck in this strange country, learning only things from books. All right now, I have to teach her something. She does the lollipop. She, and they're obviously very attracted to each other. And then she looks at her her breast and says, "It's so cute." And then dives upon it, and then starts to go down on her. And there's that way that the camera is focused on her face as she goes closer and closer, and then extends her tongue. And I think that that kind of is a little silly at first. And then we, of course, circle back around to that. But I think that some of those things and the way that that's done um, are are a little comical. But finding sensuality in the arcane too, 
Like when she's filing her tooth down, like that should be kind of gross, actually. Oh no, I thought that that bath scene. Oh my god, that's what I'm saying. That it's weird that it is erotic in a way, considering what's I don't know. Like it, it was just a creative choice. I mean, it's De Niro's thumb and Juliette Lewis's mouth is the same thing. I mean, that's kind yeah, of, but uh, the reason it's, she it's needed a variation to on that. Yeah, yeah, it's an excuse to create. Her tooth that had to mouth. be actually jagged. For her to feel the difference, so maybe she deliberately jagged her tooth just to get her thumb into her yeah, mouth. That's, that's a good. That's a good point. And then, and then you see, um, you, you see the handmaiden wearing that thimble on her thumb later on. It's kind of a right. moment. Yeah. Right. Uh, Dingus, what's the deal? So in Korea, apparently, it was uh, the the title referred to. Hideko in the U.S. They decided they needed to give it because maybe we don't have a class system. Although, why would we know what a handmaiden is? We have fingersmiths. But yeah, I don't know that we would have known that. But so instead, the the title in the U.S. refers to uh, Suki. Uh, so Dingus, yeah, what, I don't understand the difference in the change of title. I just find it really remarkable. And I there's didn't. A movie, there's a movie called The Lady, and I only know this because yeah. uh, Michelle Yeoh is in it, where she plays like a prime minister of the Philippines or something. Uh, so maybe they couldn't call it that because there was already in English language The Lady. Well, what what I noticed was that I just kept hearing that word. While I was reading the subtitles, Agassi, Agassi, or however however she says it, I'm not saying the pronunciation correctly, and I remembered seeing that underneath the title of it, and she would say that whenever she was talking about the mistress or miss or lady, um, and I was like, why? And then I looked at it, and, and I realized that, that this movie seems to be titled opposite of what it was titled, right. and I don't know why that is. Either one works for me, though. As long as they didn't call it the uncle, I would have been okay. Uh, but- <laughs> But when you when you He's think about um, the moment where uh, you know where the con is finally being sort of clicked, where they're at the at the gate of the uh, of the mental asylum, and those terms become interchangeable, um, uh, it, it's interesting to me that they decided to to flip it to handmaiden because uh, I guess there's what what's the um, isn't there uh, Robert Duvall movie called Handmaiden um, about Hand, Handmaid's Tale, the Margaret Atwood uh, thing? Yeah, the Handmaid's right. Tale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, you know, which whenever I saw the title of this keep, kept making me think of. Um, but I love that this movie so far surpasses what what I was expecting it to be. I'm guessing it is uh, just a cultural thing that we don't really have a sense for like a, a a lady or a mistress, um, you know, we know what maids are, um, but I don't think we necessarily know what regal women who similar. have servants are. Uh, my, I mean, my grandparents had a maid. I mean, it's like I think maids are something that Americans understand, whereas ladies aren't. I mean, even just there, it's like what. Uh, uh, oh, we've seen it in British movies. Well, I mean, well, that's true, a, right, right, right. Yeah. There's a lot in that about this. I mean, yeah. the 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 count, you know, the the idea that he's going to be shown to be the son of uh, what a Korean farmer or uh, some Korean peasant uh, makes a huge deal. Um, and the other the other issue that I couldn't quite grasp and wish I understood more of was the the kind of the racist undertones between Koreans and Japanese in this movie mm-hmm. and the way that that's dealt with in a couple of ways. I mean, you see the word Japs used a couple of times. Uh, and then in that, in that scene later in the movie where, um, where the, 
where the count and the uncle are talking, and one of them is saying, you know, uh, many Koreans uh, think that they're that I don't know what many, many many Japanese think that Koreans are more beautiful, and many Koreans think that Japanese are more beautiful. However, that works out. That whole weird. Uh, dichotomy of the way that those two countries view each other and the way they treat each other in the movie. Right, and uh, that's a, that's a strong undercurrent. What with the yeah. the uncle being a, a Japanophile. Um, basically, in any movie in Asia that is not Japanese, the Japanese are dicks. I mean, that's pretty much what Chinese and Korean perspectives are, especially historically, uh, because of the Japanese in World War Two. Uh, I, I also watched because I was thinking maybe it would fit into an over under, but it wasn't at all like this. I watched Lust Caution, uh, which is a, a Chinese movie during the Japanese occupation, um, but it wasn't. I, I just I was thinking like erotic thrillers from Asia, uh, so I watched that. It didn't really fit in with what was going on here, but yeah, the Japanese tend to be the bad guys uh, unless it's a Japanese movie. Huh. I bet that goes back farther, though, just because you're... Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Japanese invaded in 1500, I believe. Yeah, the Japanese have a history of invading Korea. It's kind of a They're on an island. they got to go somewhere. Right, exactly. What are they going to do? Cross the Pacific? Like England. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What do you expect? Uh, uh, I also, just just the fact that the the direction was great, the script was great, the the actresses were so good. I loved both of those women. Gosh, they were... Like, I loved the contrast between uh, Suki's... Uh, word like undemure laugh, like and and just how mm-hmm. there was clearly this sense that she came from a very different background, just from the way she held herself, um, the way she talked. Um, I just loved the contrast that they established early on, and how that morphs over the course of the movie, right. thanks to how good both of these actresses were. Uh, and just watching them, there's just great work from them. Just that alone, as the movie was going on, I was like, even if this thing falls apart and gets into some weird, inscrutable Korean ending that I don't understand, I'm just enjoying these actresses so much uh, that I'm into whatever, wherever it's going to go. And the fact that it did become just a really compelling, twisty script that I didn't figure out any of this until I was supposed to. Yeah, um, and it's redemption-free, too, I think. Well, they get a what? what I mean, it's a happy ending, but, but, yeah, but there's still what? You know. What are you talking about? It's a happily ever after ending, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, like but their a, personalities like haven't changed. Certified redemption like free. Each other. Yeah, I would say yeah. I stick. I stick by that. That's not redemption. Uh, That's just, uh, okay. I love that you. I love that you bring up her laugh because that was one of the first really weirdly off-putting things because she would laugh at such inappropriate moments. Um, but then you understand it when it's totally paid off. In that scene where she's talking about her mother's hanging uh, with her auntie or with auntie, and that weird, uh, it, it, I love the way that 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 scene is shot with the the shadow of her braiding the hair and it looks like a noose, and you know she's asking about how her, if her mother cried and she's like no she laughed she was yeah she was totally proud she was proud of what she did she was happy that she had you before she died and she was content in the way she died and. The the fact of her laughing at these inter- seemingly inappropriate moments for uh, somebody of a genteel upbringing uh, were things that were, again, tonally weird for me, but now make a lot of sense to me, and I think make a lot of sense in the Coen Brothers universe. And that's that's why this movie, that's why I chose Over-Unders as Coens. And also, I mentioned, the, uh, go ahead, Tom. 
Well, it also gets to how she's from such a different background, and she can only control it to a certain degree. Yeah. Like when she's looking at the jewels, and she points out that's not a sapphire, that's a spinel. Like that, that just slips out of her because that's who she is. Yeah. She's doing this con, but she's so driven by these primal things like this lust for jewelry, this, uh, this, this sense of humor about the world, laughing at things, that those slip out and kind of almost mess up her con. Right. Uh, so I love that that's like her character trait is that she can only act within a certain limit. And she's not careful. Things are going to spill out that betray her. So right. go ahead. And she, yeah, and she also seems to be a bad liar, and that's pointed out a couple of times. Yeah. Um, and partly because of what you just said. Um, so I, I just wanted to point out that there were a couple of moments, uh, and this is why I keep bringing up Coen Brothers, other than that that one. Uh, there's this one. The first time they go down the long hallway when the snake is introduced. That that uh, that fast zoom. Tracking push ah, all the right. way down that's, that hallway. That's very Sonnenfeld, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what you were talking about. Yeah, that's totally Sonnenfeld with the door yeah. closing. Very good, Dingus. Yeah. And there, there's a couple of things like that, and then there's a couple of moments, and I think it's mainly in scenes with um, with the handmaiden and with uh, um, the mistress uh, or the miss or the lady um that are very Carter, Carter Bur- Burwell music cues there's that there's that one in the in the first scene where she's telling her not to lie to her and they're really talking to each other and she's finding out you know we think that she's finding out that uh the handmaiden can't read you know those those things that are going on um that music reminds me so much of what Carter Burwell is doing somewhat in Miller's Crossing, I think. And then there's another moment when they're on the path and, uh, and it's this, this intimate moment between the two of them where she's talking about the hanging of her mother and the, the handmaiden reaches out to her and, and says, you don't need to be, no one should feel guilty about being born. Um, cause she's basically saying, I wish I were never born. And she looks up, over her shoulder and there's this is the sun peeking out around the clouds and there's another one of those musical uh cues that's very carter burwell it's 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 weird and i I, i'm i'm 90 percent certain it's just my baggage bringing that in uh but uh, you know if i were to find out that that was actual thing i would be ecstatic here's where i would uh not resist but here's where i would draw the line with a the Coen Brothers comparison. I mean, for many reasons, of course. But the thing that mostly stands out for me, Ding, is I don't think the Coen Brothers have ever been that interested in sex. Like they, yeah. they are kind of asexual. They're more cerebral, and I don't think they've ever had that I can recall female relationships this prominently in in their scripts. Uh, and that's they're just writing about their experience, and that's fine. Right. Uh, and this definitely has. It, there, there's a lot of great style here, but. It just stands out for me as being very sexual and very female-centric, which I loved about it. Uh, and I wish the Coen brothers would do that, by the way. I would love to see what the Coen brothers would do with an erotic uh, thriller. <laughs> I, it I would don't be, think it's their, their strengths. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I would like to their see their passions. If you, you, you know what? They should, they should quit stereotyping themselves as Coen brothers-esque. They can, you think of a, <laughs> can you think of a sexy Coen brothers scene? Um, I just think Frances McDormand is really cute, so that makes some of their stuff inadvertently sexy. But I'm trying to think. Not really. Is there one that I'm missing? Sex is always lame in their movies. In Fargo, it's all bad sex. Well, you love the man who wasn't there. Is there any sexiness in that? 
There's Scarlet, but Scarlet it's like, Johansson, yeah, giving like going down in the car. Like that's the thing. If you it have causes an accident, Scarlett Johansson is is filleting you in a car. That shit's not in for hot. And yeah, that's they, they kind of it's like oh god, what? right? <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, what, like, yeah. He's, 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 he says something like "Heavens to Betsy," what are you doing or something like yeah. that? He's <laughs> taken aback that it's happening. Uh, but I, I, but not to disagree with your Coen Brothers thing, Ding. It's just that I wish the Coen Brothers like this is something that they would not touch. I kind of think uh, the things that made this special. And Ding, uh, I'm so glad you mentioned that uh, Shadow is a is a as a noose thing because there were so many great touches in here that were just really solid directorial touches that make me think this would really hold up under repeated viewings. Um, some of them a little obvious, like when they trash the library and she whacks the head of the snake off like it's an emasculating thing. <laughs> I was okay with that. That was fine. Put that on there at the end. But then um, do you guys know what it is when – you uh, – when you're filming a scene and you cross the line, this thing about an, a- an axis of action. Yeah. Yeah, so, the 180. So, yeah, exactly. So when you're, when you're shooting a, a scene with generally two people, you always want to make sure that the audience has a sense who's on the left and who's on the right. So if you flip the camera, like for instance, if Kelly Wand and I are talking on a north-south axis, the camera always needs to be looking at us from the west. If the camera goes over to the east, suddenly we're inverted in the audience. It's a little confusing, and it's used intentionally sometimes. Yeah, Did you guys notice does it. The, yeah, exactly. Did you notice the flip the axis moment here? No. Oh, my God. It was delicious. It was amazing. I, I, uh, so when – the it I think it's still in the first act, like we're not sure what the cons are. After they've eloped to Japan and he's gone out and cashed in all of the money and he comes back with a, a, a valise a valise full of money and he sets it down and the three characters are all looking at each other. He uh yes. just breaks the that, that axis of action. He goes through that hundred and eighty degree line like every like moving around amongst all three of the characters, and it's super disorienting. It's suddenly it's like, wait a minute, who's related how to whom in which direction? <laughs> and that's before you know any of this stuff is going on. Uh, and that's just such a great directorial touch. Uh, and uh-huh. if you aren't sensitive to that kind of setup, you might not notice it. But I just loved that that was in there when that was in there. Um, when they also when they're leaving. And this is more of a, a staging thing. But when they're leaving for Japan, just the way that they would have these suitcases, they would walk up to one door and they would open the door. They would step into the next room and set the suitcases down and open another door. They would go forward again and open another door. There was this sense as they were leaving to Japan that they're kind of like peeling layers or going into different levels, uh, which is just a great visual metaphor for, for where the movie is going to take you. Uh, so I love to touch this like that. Red herrings. Well, this makes me just want to go back and watch more closely things like, you know, the the Vengeance trilogy and stuff. Uh, well, it's a little like Pulp Fiction too. That was one of the things that you know when when I first didn't quite understand, you know, how I felt about this movie, and I was reading Soren um, Soren Hoagland's post about it. And he's like, if you don't really like um, uh, Park Chan Wook's uh, Oeuvre, then you might not get this. Uh, and I was kind of like, well, maybe, maybe that's it, because I, I don't know that I like all of his stuff that much. I mean, I like some things about it, um, but I certainly didn't get this the way uh, he did. And you know, and I didn't think it was as sexy as he did either. And he, he, but one of the things that Soren says about it is that, he, that he likes how he, how uh, he keeps the 
sex scenes playful and grounded in the characters discovering themselves. Uh, which, which he, and he, I like the way he put this, which makes it less salacious. And I love that he uses the word that he makes it less salacious. I thought it was pretty salacious, though. <laughs> Those, uh, yeah, come on. The, the reveal about what went on in the basement, for instance. Oh, that was so oogie. Yeah, that was pretty oogie, yeah. And wait, because Old Boy had a weird octopus thing, too, didn't it? Isn't that the one where he eats an octopus? Yeah, and that's what I made a, a that's what I made an immediate uh, yeah, and I you know I I said that too. I said like that 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 thing with the cephalopod was a little bit distasteful, meaning meaning the pun. Uh, and he said it reminded him of something called the dream of a fisherman's wife, which I don't even know what that means. That's the the, the picture that they were forging. Oh, all right. Of the, the octopus, it's it's like an, a, the the early example of tentacle porn. Yeah, and I couldn't. Yeah. I can't abide that. I don't understand. Lovecraft loved that. it. Right, I thought he was talking about the name of another movie. No, no, I don't think there's been a movie made of that painting. Yeah, uh, hopefully not. I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of hentai though that might fit that category. Oh, good lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, the, did you guys catch too why he lit the three cigarettes in the car when they were yeah, driving? I loved because I at the time I was like, why is he? I That's thought he was going to give one to each of the dudes. Yeah, exactly. That's why, and they didn't. They thought that too. <laughs> I didn't catch that. No, they didn't. They rolled down the windows because they didn't want to have to smell that smoke. But I lo- it's to make sure that he only had the blue ones. He only had the blue oh, ones, okay. right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Kelly Wand, when you roll a joint, what do you paint on the ro- wrapping paper in the inside there? Mm. Just uh, my foreskin. One, two, three, not only you and me, got one city that's great to run, in between, counting one, two, three, three, four, and five, three, getting down with three, repeat, everybody loves you. Movie podcast. Uh, before we move on, let me just say a couple other things from listeners. Um, uh, Chris Markinson <laughs> really, really liked this movie a ton, like we did. Um, uh, <laughs> And Aaron Vaughn, I think, really loved the way the sound was done in this movie and wants to meet the people who did the Foley. I don't remember any – I mean, yeah, I did – yeah. I'll, I'm trying to think. What were the cool sound cues? I'm sure there were some. I'm just not remembering them. Uh, there's uh, a bunch of really awesome sound cues, but I think he was making a joke about some of the um, lovemaking moments. Uh Squashing. Oh, uh, well, of course, bells on a clear midnight as well. Not the bells. Um, and, and, you know, in fact, Chris said the same thing. The, the sex scenes with the women were vi- vivid noises and fluids. Um, and Chris just said he, he gives those women huge credit for the gusto they put into the scenes. But anyway, you know, most people, you so know. That's what I, that's called. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so Chris and Soren really, really liked this, and I think Aaron did too. Kelly Wan, do you think this movie lived up to its title? Um, yeah, it's a good example, actually. That's a good point. So take it, I was giving you an opportunity for a segue, but yeah, I guess that landed with a thud. So speaking of movies that live up to their titles, Kelly Wand, let's do a three by three. What do you got for us? (laughs) These are movies that live up to the title. Ah, (laughs) okay. Dingus, you are uh, introducing. I was the- trying to think of a better title, like with bells in it. That's why I was like hesitating. Oh, for for the handmaiden. Yeah, you set me off. I was trying to go like, what 
Well, that's the that's why I re- partly why I thought I was in for a Jane Eyre is when you name like it doesn't have blue is the warmest color like that I could understand oh maybe it's about sex uh, body heat yeah sex in the cut like once you find out what that means yeah it's about sex handmaiden is going to be about some buttoned up women in in bodices and their yeah. hair immaculately done and they're fanning the themselves and they have parasols exactly merchant ivory. Um, so I'm not sure that it does live up to its title, Kelly Wand. I think well, but she is a handmaiden, and she uses her hand. Oh, God, there we go. Yeah, okay, good point. <laughs> well, Dingus, you're introducing the topic next week, so what is your third favorite example of a movie that lives up to its title? And she's oh. a maiden. I'll say. All right, so uh, I didn't know what to do with this thing. So uh, <laughs> I, got, I got a great thing. I got a great – yeah, Kelly Wan, you, you think you might have pulled one over on us. I got something. Ha! I can't wait. Victory is everyone's nope, board. Nope, I, I, I've uh, accepted your bluff. <laughs> so at first what I was trying to do was just go with – you know, every time I was thinking of movies, because at first it's, you know, geez, I'll just – think of movies that I really like and bend it to this topic and just avoid movies that are characters' names because that would be, you know, really a little too dumb to do or, or place names or whatever. Wait, because um, movies wouldn't live up to the names of characters or places? Because that's like the lowest totally common denominator. If you've, got, if you've got like a character in your movie right. named some, you know, Carrie. named Lincoln, you know? <laughs> It's yeah. going to live up to the title. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's absolutely going to live up to the title. That's why I think this topic is silly, but it's Kelly's topic. That's fine. So I could just silly have done, uh, you know, Rushmore, Carrie, and Lincoln, and they lived up to the title because they that is those characters' names. <laughs> Carrie didn't live up to the title. He didn't care anything. What? It's about care. Kelly Wand, you're, you're, I'm putting you in 3x3 three three jail. Do I have the authority to 3x3 three three jail, Kelly? I don't know if I do. We live in strange times. We really do. I don't know who has the authority to do that. I don't know what the law is anymore. We'll have to wait and see how things shake out. (laughs) And so then as I was going through the week and looking through my movie, and my movie, uh, my collection of movies, and then actually reading books of movies because I wanted to get away from my movie collection for once. Kelly Um, Want, you would not believe the dated reference material. Like, we have IMDb. You don't need any more of these. Like Roger Ebert Encyclopedia of all the movies from 2008 to 2011. Or Dingus has all these like crazy movie encyclopedias that people give him because they know he's into movies. And they're like, what can I give Dingus as a gift? So he's got these huge tomes that are just full of like movie synopses and details that you would never use because you go to IMDb. And he's been – he's been, had those laying around the house. It's, it's kind of like Gandalf doing research on The Ring, things yeah. like that all week. It was like that this week. I was kind of trying to find a way to get into your topic, Kelly. Uh, and what I was doing, one of the things I was doing was avoiding uh, movies that were adaptations or movies that were from previous works. Because you know, I just felt like that was cheating. And then all of a sudden, late in the game, I realized, wait a minute. A movie that lives up to its title it would be perfect uh, if it actually lives up to the title of the thing that it comes from. Um, or the thing that is adapt- from which it is adapted. Uh, so late in the ah. game, I, d- I suddenly decided to wait. The movie that lives up, lives up to its title lives up to the title that it comes from, wherever that title is, or whatever the title that it was coming from. You know what I mean? See, Kelly Wand? I think he's got you, Kelly Wand. Wait, so start th- all over? <laughs> <laughs> 
so the Jinx first Earth. one is actually from a, a previous work, but the title has been changed, and I think it lives up to its title much better than had they kept the title that it was originally based upon. And the quote I would use is, I'm finished. Oh, uh, oil. oil. Yep. Exclamation point. Who, who said it first, Dingus, me or Kelly Wand? Which one of us wins? Uh, Tom, you, you said it first, so you win. You get one point. Awesome. I was busy <laughs> saying, uh, first. <laughs> On my way so to the actual to title the part. is There Will Be Blood, and indeed, this movie lives up to that title because, indeed, there will be blood because that And happens. you gotta wait for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, but I, I really like... Uh, I didn't understand, uh, you know, I have never read Oil. Um, it's only like a third of the book that he adapted to, or half or something. Regardless, I like the fact that he got this idea from it and and sprung forth from it, and then he he came with, up with this title, uh, you know, looking at the... And I just imagine him, you know, trying to uh, trying to get this thing to be born from his brain, because sometimes coming up with a title can be a difficult thing. And I just imagine uh, Paul Thomas Anderson thinking, "What am I going to do with oil? I can't call the movie Oil. It's not really going to work for that." And coming up with the title, "There Will Be Blood," it just has such a beautiful poetic idea. That title has such a beautiful poetic sound to it, and then it pays off. It totally pays off at the end of the movie because, yes, uh, there will be blood not only in the idea of um, what happens with uh, people being born and people being passed on and that I, that conceptual idea of, uh, of passing something down to a generation, um, and, but also literal blood. <laughs> I don't, that's such a fantastic name too. Like just yeah. the, and it's one of those things. Well, how come nobody ever thought of it? Like, is there a there will be blah blah something like? No, there's only. Yeah, how come nobody thought of that before? That we've come through this many years of like people writing things and naming them, and nobody came up with something that awesome. And that's easily the best. You know, Punch Drunk Love. I still am not quite sure what to do with that. Yeah. I know what he's getting at. Uh, the Master. That's a little on the nose. Uh, Inherent Vice. He didn't change that. Uh, oh, hard eight. Complete sentence. Like hard eight was like Sydney, and then it was hard eight. Like he didn't even know what to do there. Yeah. Magnolia is just the name of a street. Makes no sense. Uh, Boogie Nights is cute, I guess. But there will be plot. If he'd named his early movie that, he would have been trying to live up to cool titles for the rest of his career. Yep. Yeah. No one but, says it in the movie. It thank God. Yeah, yeah, that would have ruined it. Reluctant to think of uh, Boogie Nights being titled "There Will Be Something." Oh, dang it. <laughs> On that note, what I did with this topic, um, your movie should just be named like words, like letters. Don't do anything fancy <laughs> like putting the number seven instead of a V in the middle of the word too seven. Fast. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do any too fast. Your movie just needs words and letters, okay? Don't pull any tricks with us with numbers, and for God's sake, don't do any silly punctuation nonsense. I won't have it. However, these are three movies that I will have it in. They earn their punctuation nonsense. <laughs> the first one... Oh, uh, shit. Uh, when Robert Altman did MASH, he didn't put any goofy asterisks in there. You know, That was on the TV show. I looked this one up. MASH, the Altman movie, is just capital M-A-S-H. It's an acronym, Mobile Army Surgery Hospital, whatever. And that's fine. He just did it in capital letters. That's cool. Some people then started doing things like uh, like 
putting a period after each letter to make it clear that it's an acronym. Don't do that. We don't need that. RAPD, don't put a period in there. CHUD, for instance. CHUD does not need a period after every le letter. Cannibal humanoid. SWAT does not need a period after every letter. You do not need that. You say the word SWAT. You don't go S-W-A-T. You don't say C-H-U-D. You say CHUD. The one... <laughs> <laughs> the one movie that I'm okay with having the letter. That's how you say it, too. Yeah, exactly. With that, that level of silly disgust, right? Ben Foster. The one movie, actually. <laughs> never. Oh, I should. One word. We should do Kelly Wan's one word impersonations. Ben Foster reading one word oh, movie titles. Yeah. Acronyms. Uh, the acronym that I will allow to have periods after each letter because it works for me, uh, both, and this applies to both of these movies. DOA. I'm okay with that. D period, O period, A period. Because otherwise, otherwise – Doa. Yeah. Doa, right. You'd be like, what's Doa? Is it like a sequel to Shoa? What is that? I don't understand what uh, it is. Right. So uh, the Edmund O'Brien – yeah, Edmund O'Brien one and the Dennis Quaid one, they're both allowed as far as I'm concerned. They live up to the fact that they're putting a period after each letter in a way that Chud and Swat – uh, even L.I.E. There's a movie called L.I.E., which is a, a Paul Dano movie. Again, it might be his first movie, uh, uh, and it's putatively about the Long Island Expressway. It's people that live along it, but it's also about a lie that Brian Cox's character is sort of living about his attraction to boys, um, and it's L period, I period, E period. You don't need that. Just give us capital L.I.E., uh, so DOA earns the period after each letter. It should be all capital letters. Uh, I'm okay with that. It's a movie that lives up to its title, and I'm preferential to the Dennis Quaid one. The early one is just yeah. Silly. I agree with you. Yeah, I like and I really that. like the Dennis Quaid one too. Yeah, um, it doesn't. There's no half-assed Deus Ex Machina ending. Yeah. Oh, exactly. No redemption there. Yeah. No redemption. And I always remember there's a scene where these thugs are harassing them, and he plays an English professor, and he totally gets a sick burn at them by explaining to them the difference between infer and imply. Uh, right. I love when like people use pedantic English to get the job. Their job in the movie, as opposed to James Marsden in Straw Dogs using his screenwriting. Ugh. Do you remember what the uh, what the constant like zinger line that keeps being said over and over again is? In the Dennis Quaid DOA, mm -hmm. I don't. What is it? Publish or perish. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's what happens. Because he's that's stealing, he's stealing a kid's that's the best work. book I ever read. Yeah, he's, that's what he says too. He steals one of his book. students' books, and it's all about you know he's been called on the carpet as a professor. You have to publish or perish. Right. And so at the end, it's like publish or perish. Well, he does make a call. He does one of those two things. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, you remember too the conceit for why they have to stay together. Why? Crazy glue. Oh. Uh, Remember, he's crazy. He's like crazy glue stuff. all over his hand, and he grabs her in her hand so that they have to stay together. It's a meat cute. <laughs> Who's her? Uh, Meg, Ryan. Meg Ryan. Oh, Meg Ryan. He got her out of that movie. Yeah. That's why they did Inner Space after that. Oh, good lord. Don't remind See, me, Kelly Wan. A lot of good came out of it. Kelly Wan, get me away from thinking about Inner Space by telling me a movie that lives up to its title. Wait, you know what would have been awesome is if in Man from Uncle. Every oh, that's another one. Yeah, don't. It. It's, it's U period, N period, C period. No, don't, yeah. don't do those. The movie has not earned the right to do that. No, if they do that, then the character has to spell it out every time they say it. Exactly, right. It's man from UNCLE. I'm the man from UNCLE. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, UNCLE. <laughs> Underpaid. Uh, no, 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 no. Yeah, also, BAPS. 
Oh, what yeah. is that? Halle Berry. Yep. And someone. Ew, and what is that? There's like a gold tooth in it. Mm-hmm. Is her name Baps or something? What does that even stand for? They're black American ladies. Huh. All right. I've not seen it's this. Like, it's a play Princess. on... It's, yeah, it's yeah. a play on Japs. It's a Robert Townsend movie. The, Ew, okay. Black American princesses. Okay. Yeah. And it's uh, it has Halle Berry and... Um, oh, good Lord. What's his name? Oh, my gosh. Martin Landau. <laughs> what? Martin Landau's not a Baps? <laughs> no, but he's... I think he's the rich dude who is... Uh, I don't know, um, being their, uh, what would you say, sugar daddy, whatever. Huh. All right. I feel like I don't need to see this. It's Robert So if Townsend. you call the movie Japs, and then it's about Jewish girls. Wait, did you say it's Robert Altman, Ding? Is it Robert who? No, it's Robert Townsend. Oh, oh, Robert Townsend. Yeah, I still don't need to see it. Right. Robert Townsend has one good script. Street Smarts. Didn't he write oh, Chinatown? That's Robert oh. Town. I'm talking about the Hollywood show. How dumb is Tom? Wow, I had no idea there were two separate people. There's a Townsend What's and a Black. Town. Who's Robert Townsend then? He's Hollywood Shuffle. Right. I don't even Hollywood. know what Hollywood Shuffle is. What is that? It's a it's a send up of bats. It's a send up of how black actors are treated in Hollywood. <laughs> Stupid Tom. <laughs> it's guys like me who don't know who they are. They assume they're Robert Town. Wow, okay. He was a hugely respected writer in the day. No, I mean, he, I mean, Robert Town was a different person, obviously. Robert Town, Chinatown. But Robert Townsend was a hugely respected writer as well? Yeah. What did he write? Baps? <laughs> Wait, Hollywood Shuffle. I don't know. Hollywood, Hollywood Shuffle. Shuffle. Huh? I don't know either That's of them, I'm afraid. An acclaimed movie. Uh, all right. Wait a minute. Yeah, I don't know. All right. Well, thanks for clearing that up, though, because I could have embarrassed myself in public at some mm-hmm. point. I'm sure that would have happened. <laughs> I don't like movies with Hollywood in the title. Hmm. So they won't be on your list of three movies that live up to their title? Always bad. Yeah. No. Well, I mean, if it's about Hollywood, maybe. Wait, did you say what yours was? Are you picking Baps? Does no. Baps live up to its title? What's the Harrison no, Ford movie with Hollywood? Is it Hollywood Homicide? Hollywood yeah, Hollywood. Josh Hartnett. Yeah. yeah. Lucky number Slovin, or seven, seven, seven N. That's what seven with the seven in the middle. Uh, no, they don't. Like, actually, I've never seen that movie, but I'm assuming they're not allowed to do that. Lucky number Slovin, you haven't seen? I've not. Is it Lucy Liu? Seven. So uh, she's in a lot of bad movies. How dare you? You take that back right now, Kelly. What? X versus Sever. X versus Sever is awesome. Have you seen it? No. I love X vs. Sever. X vs. Sever has, first of all, a lot of footage of Lucy Liu just shooting the fuck out of some big-ass gun. Just give her a gun and she just shoots right. it. That's also, you like. It's also – so Kelly Wan has a little something for everyone. It also has a lot of Antonio Banderas looking really soulful in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> but what's it actually so called? X vs. Sever colon something Ballistic. something. Yeah, that was ballistic Poland X versus Sever. Yeah, there is a time that lives up to I it. Love, so. I love it's called that. It's called ballistic. I love yeah. that yeah. so much. So <laughs> that's a ballistic. movie that, that lives up to its title. That's true. Yeah. All right, well, number, you said yeah. Go ahead. Your number three is. <sighs> These are all kind of dumb, I guess. But my number three hey, real is quick, um, in X versus Sever. There's an awesome scene where uh, I think Antonio Banderas gets punked by a little tiny Asian girl. It's adorable. 
It's awesome. How? Right. Um, it's something where she's like making fun of him for something, I think. I don't remember the specifics. But I remember thinking, yeah, there need to be more scenes in movies with Antonio Banderas and little cute like Asian tykes. It's not the boomer. What? <laughs> I don't know what that was. Tim is kindergarten cop. Oh, oh, I see. Right. Okay, very good. See? How did I not catch that? Kids. <laughs> Asian kids. All right, carry on, Kelly. I'm, right, I'm sorry. I just, I'm just reminiscing now about X versus Sever. My number three is The Empire Strikes <laughs> Back because everyone in that movie. Because when I first heard the title, that that was going to be the name of it, I was like, that's not a very creative title. But then when I saw it, I went, oh, okay, I see why it's called that. Because like, every character gets totally pummeled in that movie. And then I remember when Attack of the Clones came out, and I thought, wait, they didn't attack. These are supposed to rhyme. That title doesn't make any sense. Empire Strikes Back made perfect sense. That's the, dis- that's the difference between these trilogies. Clones don't attack? They don't attack. The clones attack? They like save the. Uh, Aren't clone stormtroopers? I thought they attacked. Eh. Who were they attacking? I don't know. I didn't knows? pay attention. Don't they? They attack the. No, they attack the Roger Roger droids, don't they? I guess, but that's why. So of everything that happens in that movie, that's the part that that's the where the title comes from. Yeah, it's the most noteworthy thing. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, it could have been called Blast. I hate flying. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah. But like. Empire Strikes Back was such a spot-on title. It makes me, and it makes me think, oh, he wanted, to, he just needed it to sound like Empire Strikes Back. So he, but he didn't bother to like write that into the script. I didn't think. So, but yeah, like R two D two gets spit up by a sea monster. Like everybody really gets it. In it. <laughs> that's that's the yeah, worst. That has fate. nothing to do with the Empire whatsoever. Yeah, the Empire doesn't do that. By the way, what's the, what's yeah. an example where the Empire actually does something? Kelly Wand. Uh, it freezes Han Solo. That's not the Empire, isn't that uh, Job of the Hutt? Oh no, it is the Empire after he gets turned over. Wait, you guys crazy? No, who actually <laughs> freezes him? Doesn't Job of the Hutt freeze him? No, Darth Vader orders. Darth Vader him to be does, first. but he, he oh, and then gives him to Job of the Hutt. He uses Bespin's stuff to do it. He does right. everything on the on the Cloud City. Carbonite. You guys are Empire apologists. Carbonite. No, just, uh, we're just going to argue. C three PO gets shot it. by the Empire. I just want to make sea monster clear probably that works. Of the three of us, I'm the last person to chime in on a Star Wars uh, thing. Yeah, but you were thinking it. No. <laughs> you just don't think they live up to that title. I just stars to think, how does Star Wars well, – how does that – Terrible title. Terrible title. You know what else is a terrible title? Return of the Jedi because he doesn't return. Yeah. It's the first sign – by the way, the name of Star Wars is the first sign that Lucas is going to eventually have no idea what he's doing. Dingus, Which what's one? the second example of a movie that lives up to its title according to your criteria of, of titles that were borrowed or stolen? All right, so uh, here's the quote from it. No, it's for me. Um, and this is the final – one of the final – I think it's the final line of the movie. Uh, and this is from a movie called The Lives of Others, uh, which was a German movie and based on a novel called The Lives of Others. Mm. I'm not going to try to say the title – in German, but uh, I will actually. Das Leben der anderen, which is the lives of others. Right, Kelly? Ugh. Yeah. Um, from 2006, directed by Florian Henkel von Donnersmark, which I just like to say that name. Uh, I really, really love this movie. Uh, and I love that uh, the, the way that all of this plays out. And actually, um, I'm not going to lay out much of this because if you, if any of you out there have not seen The Lives of Others, I would really encourage you to see it, uh, because the title, the movie really does live up to the title. 
Um, and also, uh, the 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 main guy in it, um, his name is Ulrich Müller. I don't know if I'm saying his name right. Uh, he's playing a he's playing a Stasi um, Stasi Hauptmann named Gerd Weisler uh, or Wiesler. I'm not sure how you'd say it. Uh, uh, is amazing in the movie, and in fact, most of the actors are just amazing in this movie. And um, and just take my word for it, uh, the lives of others is totally worth watching, and the title really lives. The movie really lives up to its title. So Kelly Wan in the U.S. a lot of times they'll have screenings of movies like Star Wars. In Germany, do they like show lives of others frequently, and people turn out and re-see it? They turn out, but they don't show a movie. Hmm. My second example of a movie that can have shenanigans in the title, and it's, it lives up to them with punctuation or numbers. This is the movie Wreck, R-E-C, and it actually has brackets <laughs> around the R and the E and the C because it's about a camera recording. It's a found footage movie, uh, and it's allowed to have those brackets because it is so good. Now, it eventually becomes Wreck 2. It becomes Wreck 3. It becomes Wreck, wreck 4, Apocalypse. Those – don't aren't no those don't live up to the brackets. Only the first one lives up to the brackets. I approve heartily, uh, and I wish there was some way to vocalize the fact that they're in there. Like I don't know how you pronounce brackets. I don't think you can. There's there's no vocalization of a bracket. But when you're talking about the movie Wreck, just keep in mind there are brackets around the R and the C. Is there really something called hands. Wreck for Apocalypse? There is yes, and it's uh, is that the wedding one? I think it's – Why are you asking us? I'm, I'm really asking you. Is that, I thought you were making a joke. No, no, there is, and I think it's the wedding one where the apocalypse breaks out during a wedding, and it separates the bride and the groom, uh. and it starts out found footage and does this ridiculous thing. So it's found footage because at a wedding, you have an excuse to have found footage. That's that movie, The Remainder, I was telling you about, Kelly Wand, about the, the Book of Revelations – uh, um. <laughs> taking place during a wedding, I'm and you. It, it's found footage because there's someone filming the wedding, right? They're making a, a video. So what do you have to say to the bride and the groom? And so they've, they've got the camera, and then when the Book of Revelations happens, they're filming it. Now, Wreck 4 Apocalypse has the same thing, and the previous Wreck movies have all been found footage. But halfway through, it loses interest in being a found footage movie, and for no good reason. It's just like, eh, you know what? The guy who's filming the movie, never mind. We're just going to shoot this regularly now. Uh, and he's still running around like with his camera during part of it, but then the movie's just going to be like, oh, you know, we're just going to do it now like a regular movie uh, for, for no good reason. They also have The Bride. And uh, it should be awesome. Imagine a bride in a bridal gown fighting zombies with a chainsaw. Like that right uh. there, that's amazing. But the problem is they have this just poor, stick-thin actress playing the bride who can't lift a chainsaw. Like it's so, <laughs> it's so obvious that this thing is way too heavy for her, bless her heart. Uh, and it just doesn't read uh. very well. Um. <laughs> Fight me gently with a chainsaw. <laughs> Whoa, whoa, dingus! I know uh, what that was a reference to. I love that you said it just it just lost interest in being. Footage. It's really yeah, it's hilarious. That it, yeah, that it does. It's that. Just footage now. <laughs> no footage Wait, would be so, Apollo eighteen. Oh God, remember? What's the devil have to say to the wedding couple when they record? I forget where they part. are because uh, wreck was about zombies, and then wreck two decides. Yeah, never mind. We're about uh, possession now. We're about demons. Uh, and I think Wreck 4 might have gone back to zombies. I don't remember what the devil said about that. He says, come on down to Georgia. See, Kelly Wand? 
I'll try to explain for you. Kelly Wan, what's the second example of a – wait do you see what the listeners come up with. We're, we're hoping for some anime. Uh, no, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> no, we had no listeners write in this week. Oh, that's so sad. But yeah. Double check for you. Make sure you didn't mess I up. I thought it was a stupid topic. <laughs> All right, Kelly Wan, a second, the second best movie that lives up to its title. My number two title winning movie living up to selection is the motion picture History of Violence. Because it was a triple entendre. Because it was like... All right, break these down for us. I almost okay, picked this. Was, I love that you did this. Thank you, Kelly Wan. Because this, this it, is also an adaptation. Very well done. The character has a history of violence. Okay, so now we got a single entendre. Let's see if you can make double. The double one is... It's a history of violence. But like it's not. Microcosm. That's not what the movie is, though. It's not about the history of violence. No, it's a, everything. Every character is a metaphor for like how violence has played out throughout different eras of human history. Yeah, I'm gonna need to see your your work on that one. Because yeah. sometimes shit happens for no reason, and the best laid plans go awry. Huh. All right. Well, let's see you push this to a triple entendre. What do you got? The third one is it's his story, so it's it's the main characters. Kelly, Wand, I'm gonna give you an entendre and a half with a sad claim to a pun. The wife's name is Violet. <laughs> is that true? So I don't no. think that's true. Yeah, Maria Bello's never played someone named Violet. But when she's in the cheerleader outfit, that's mm. a historical. Um, she actually yeah, was as a as a child actress. She was Violet Beauregard. A lot of people don't know that. Dingus, that's the first Violet that Dingus could think of. History of Violet Beauregard. So that's my number two. Those are the three ways that title's good. Is Violet Beauregard a, a Willy Wonka thing, Dingus? Yeah, very good. Jesus okay. Christ. What? That's not a Willy Wonka thing. That's a Bible that, thing. That's a history of violence right there. there boy, I'll tell you what. That, yeah. You should see that Passion of the Christ movie. Yeah, uh, see, there will be blood. Kelly Wan could, totally could have gotten us with that. Yeah, Kelly Wan, there was blood because that's, that's history. See? Remember when you guys didn't believe me that Mel Gibson's making a sequel to Passion of the Christ? I think we're still there. Like, uh, you still don't way? believe me? Oh, okay, when it comes out, I'm going to laugh at you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Dingus, what's the best movie that has ever lived up to its title? All right. Uh, this would be The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward Robert Ford. Mm. Adaptation. It is an adaptation of a novel by the same name. And um, not only does the uh, entire title uh, basically – exist as a spoiler for everything that goes on in the movie, but the movie totally lives up to it. And also, it's my favorite movie from 2007, and since I couldn't choose it for that year because I didn't see it in time, uh, and I will never stop being angry about that, um, <laughs> every time I get to bring it up. But this is the first one I thought of, uh, because, I mean, obviously, uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford totally lives up to its title. Are there too many words in that title? There's one too many, I think. Just don't put coward in there? I think the... Assassination. I think it just could be called assassination. I mean, assassination's already a long word. Uh, and if you're going to put Jesse James' name in there, I mean, okay, that's fine, but... Because there's, there's Assassination of Richard Nixon, that Sean Penn movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and they didn't have to go on Assassination of Richard Nixon by a, the coward that was played by Sean Penn's character's name. Like, they don't have that in there. No. I actually, love, I actually love the way it sounds like an old, an old headline. Yeah. Um, or like a show poster. 
Like exactly. A, yeah, yeah. An old show. It, 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 it's, you know, for me, this is the way I felt about the movie Heat. Uh, it either should have been uh, an hour shorter or three hours longer. And when you have a movie title that is that feels a little awkward, uh, I like that they went all the way with it because it, it's so much fun to say to somebody, oh, well, what's a movie I should see about? What do you think about this? Or what do you mean Casey Affleck? And then it's so much fun to be able just to say in one breath, well, you should see him in the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. And do you actually say that coward Robert Ford? Don't you just stop at assassination of Jesse James? I never do. I love saying uh, the whole thing because that's where you get the Casey Affleck. Uh, and um, I, I just lo- <laughs> I, I love the title of this movie. It kind of does make I it just, clear that, look, you might think this is about Brad Pitt. Guess what? You're wrong. Yeah. We're going to make that clear in the title. <laughs> and it's just it's just so great to uh, – you know, I was you know was talking to my son about this topic, and like we were just playing around with it, and I, I said, well, this is the first thing that I thought of. And he immediately looked over his shoulder because we were sitting at the kitchen table, and we used to have that poster up on our wall. Um, and it's not up there anymore, but he was like, oh, that – and he turned over because it's been up there for years. Well, it's in my office. I'm looking at it right now. We put yeah. more cheerful ones up in the dining yeah. room. Yeah. Uh, but what that led to was what's up there now is Royal Tenenbaums, and what was – sort of uh, what is wonderful about that poster is that then we sat there for the next half hour and he was asking questions about well why is Danny Glover the first name on that line of actors and what does that what does that mean over there and why why what are what are what are they trying to do with this poster and why was that a hundred dollar bill over there I mean there's so many things to break down in that poster it's such a great poster to look at and so after talking about that just to sit there and look at that poster and break down all well what's the name of that dog or what what's going on with that dog there I mean it's not a movie he's going to see soon why because uh, I don't you know, I don't know. I, I don't think he'd be that interested in it. But it was. Why, there's so much like color and stuff going on yeah. and wacky characters. There, there is, and there's that awesome. I mean, and then you look it up and you see Malachi sitting up there. And it's like, what's the deal with that guy? So, I mean, there's so many things to break down in that poster. So, just the fact of uh, of going from the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford and looking back at the Royal Tenenbaums was a great moment. You know, I think you should see it. I mean, it's a great way to learn about topics as diverse as incest and suicide. That's a good point, but maybe he should, see, he should he should see Rushmore first, which I didn't pick up because it's just the name of a place. <laughs> yeah, it's a big stone president's heads. Big deal. <laughs> my second, no, my first favorite title that the movie that lives up to its title. I will not brook unless it's a musical. I will not brook exclamation points. Don't even try it. Exclamation points have no place in a movie. Even I didn't realize this. Three Amigos, I think technically, does that Spanish exclamation point where it opens with one that's upside down mm, yeah. and then it says three Amigos. No, don't do that silliness. What about the informant? Because Amigos is already Spanish, by the way. You don't need to do your tricky uh, punctuation thing. Uh, inf- nope, informant does not need an exclamation point. However – the movie that not only earns its exclamation point but earns both of them is Everybody Wants Some, <laughs> which I think is absolutely ebullient and enthusiastic and happy and cheerful and energetic. Unfortunately, I didn't realize that it's the, the stupid Van Halen song that the name came from, and I don't even think the song's in the movie, is what gave it the two exclamation points. What? Yeah, it's a Van Halen song, and it had stupid it two exclamation points. Everybody wants some exclamation point, exclamation point. That's you retain the, them. 
That was That's, a choice. Yeah, yeah, but the movie earns it. I can't imagine. There's no Van Halen song that even earns one exclamation point, much, much less two. Great art doesn't have to be intentional. <laughs> okay, I agree, and Van Halen will never be mistaken for great art. What? Please, name one non-horrible Van Halen song. I defy you to do it. Hot the Teacher? Wrong, wrong. Panama? Nope, wrong, wrong. Uh, wrong. Just a gigolo? No, wrong. Uh, <laughs> I just can't stand Van Halen. Who's Hailed worse? Chief. Here's, here's, here's one that is open to debate. Who's worse, Van Halen or The Who? It's a tough one. The Who it? is way worse. Mm, they're both pretty bad, though. So at what any about rate, Hagar? Uh, oh, good lord! Don't even. Uh, everybody wants some. Earns both exclamation points. I approve. It's allowed. Otherwise, don't just no exclamation points in the movie titles. What about Hagar? Is the worst sequel to What About Bob? <laughs> it's the third Hagar, the horrible, uh, with Brendan Fraser. I like that. I would have, I would have see? Brendan Fraser playing Hagar in a yeah, yeah I could see that Jay Wards he missed yeah Kelly Wand this was your topic you it's obviously have a great example of a movie that lives up yeah. to its title what do you got for us I know you think I'm going to say Zapped but uh, you know what I thought about it and it doesn't live up to the title why not because because there's only one zapping really like. <laughs> Willie Ames doesn't get zapped. Like not all the characters get zapped the way they do in Empire Strikes Back. Doesn't Rash. Heather Thomas's shirt get zapped? Yeah. Kelly Wan thinks it should be called Boing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's a better title. All right, with five exclamation points. But the title that really struck me, and it's it's come to mean more and more to me over the years, and it's been with me my whole life, is Jaws because. Everything in that movie involves oral things. Everything in that movie involves oral things. All right, let's hear you unpack that. First, Wait, aren't there, yeah. triple aren't there periods between each of those letters, though? Oh, good lord. No. Get a load of this guy, <laughs> Kelly Wand. That's a good joke. All right, I like how that. does everything in that movie involve oral <laughs> Jaws. That's the name of their group that, that fight sharks. They should have – Quinn goes, all right, I'm the captain of Jaws. Like, Orca is the name of the ship, but we're Jaws. There's four of us, pretend, with Ellen. Uh, but yeah, all the oral things. Okay, I've got no spit. Brody's cigarette. Uh, drinking the wine with your kid. And uh, Hooper eating when he comes over. Uh, they cut Talking. open the shark that, that's making a mouth. Uh, Quint eating that thing at the blackboard. Uh, the hole in Ben Gardner's boat looks like a cavity. Uh, the shark eats everybody. See, I'm sold. All right, all right. Wait, it's all about oral. Quit, quit eating that thing at the blackboard. It's a cracker. It's like a saltine. It's a cracker. Yeah. It always sounds crunchier like than a cracker. Though. Like it's not. It doesn't. How can you be crunchier? There's nothing in the earth that's crunchier than a cracker. What's the matter well, with? I think it? it's like a. It's like a coconut. I think it's like a slice of coconut. Oh my god! You think Quint is eating coconut when he addresses the town meeting? That's just what it sounds like when he eating bites that it. thing. It's clearly a saltine cracker. Yeah, but I don't see any crumbs. He's just way too meticulous. You think? Yeah. See? But that's how Jaws eats him like a cracker. It's like Not small quite. white man. Well, they are in the northeast, Half. in the Pacific North, or the Atlantic. It's like northeast. a coconut because his skin's tough and leathery inside. <laughs> Kelly, what do the listeners have for us as far as movies? Wait, that was the end of this? 
Uh, well, I Press. didn't skip anyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have some runners up, but I don't want to scoop the listeners. You know, I've, there's a lot of nonsense with ampersands that I don't believe in. Uh, okay. One movie, I can think of one movie that has parentheses that doesn't live up to it. Do you guys know the movie that has parentheses in the title? Uh, I like this question. I don't know the answer. I don't know. Parentheses. Human centipede, parentheses, full sequence. The second There's, human centipede. Tom it's not a colon? No, well, no, it might be colon. Actually, no, I don't think it is because you wouldn't have a colon and then parentheses. That's parentheses, full sequence. It's not a colon. Get it. Oh, see? Look at Dingus. Look at Dingus really tapping into the human centipede references, Kelly Wand. Yes, he loves the movie. You'd think he's seen all three of them. Is Uh, the third one your favorite? Oh, good lord. Eric Roberts. I prefer number two. Uh, Full sequence, because of the parentheses. Oh, see? He did it again, Kelly Wand. Uh, Man. uh, Everything. It's hard not to you president of the Human Centipede Pun Club. (laughs) Wow. All right, so Kelly Wand, the listeners, uh, have... So ampersand. Well, we'll get to ampersands during the Let's run. See if up. I don't, human centipede. And I don't want to scoop any listeners for like you know, you know Turner and Hooch. Should that have an ampersand? I, I think not. <laughs> but maybe the listeners think it should. Yeah, I was thinking like like you said, uh, where it's just the character's name is kind of a dumb one, and then also like geography titles like Nebraska. Although that one kind of does. Chris Hobson writes, Hi guys, my theme was movies that live up to their titles twice. He wrote it in red. Number three, Old Dark House. Vacationers shelter in an old dark house during a storm. <laughs> Living inside is a very old family with a dark past. <laughs> I've never heard of this. That's all he says about it. We just have to get to it. I hope, the rest. Just, I hope their titles he made up. <laughs> yeah. Number two, Your Highness. Ah, <laughs> get it. Danny McBride, a royal prince, gets high and chases sheep with some trolls during his brother's wedding. That's why I, that lives up to the title for Chris Hobson. Number one, The Man Who Changed His Mind. <laughs> These are better than mine. Boris Karloff invents a machine that can swap the minds of two people. Then ah. uses it to put his mind inside a younger and healthier man. At the end of the movie, he decides this invention was a bad idea after all. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be an easier way to change your mind. It's just not enough. I need to physically change my mind. Brett Weingold writes, that's my Karloff. Hey guys, here are my post-election picks for movies that live up to their title. Number three, this is the end. A demonic horde led by their leader, Trump Mamu, destroy the earth. Number two, Armageddon. Bruce Willis. That's the that, that's the thing. Armageddon didn't live up to the title at all. I really thought it was going to be um, an Armageddon. Well, it was for certain cities. Certain that's select cities. That's it, what we're supposed to think trashed, of. It trashed Paris. Like, didn't it? It was that deep impact. One of and them destroyed the of an Armageddon. Paris. For, for Parisians, yeah. yeah. It should just be called Armageddon Paris, then. Armageddon well, is worldwide, brah. But New York gets hit, too. I think maybe someplace in Asia got hit. Armageddon. It's too powerful a word for a stupid asteroid. It's, I was bummed when I found out it was just, like it was just an asteroid. Like, oh, it is kind of it's – it's sort of about the potential of what could happen. Hmm. 
number one, Confederacy of Dunces. Is that a movie? That's not no, a movie. No, that's not a movie. Apparently, there have been struggles to turn this into a movie, and it's huh. not actually being produced yet. So I know I'm on thin ice here. So, Don't uh, Kelly. Uh, you know, I hate pulling over listeners. Stop and frisk. Really, if you have to go to, if you're resorting to books for movies that live up to the title, like no movies live up to the title, I'm F. Never mind. Jason Rowold writes, "Hey guys, Wait, I have imagine Confederacy of Dunces being adapted." Have you guys read that? Yeah. Just be that one guy running around being a goofball. Yeah. For thousands of pages. Mm-hmm. Hmm. John Kennedy Wait. O'Toole, is that his name? John Kennedy. Yeah. I thought it was just John Kennedy O'Toole. But yeah. Uh, do you no know idea. who discovered who got that novel published? His mom. It was, it was – oh, right, but through – to who, who she went to after he died. Oh, no. I just thought it was his mom. I didn't know. A gentleman named Walker Percy, one of my favorite authors. Huh. He discovered him. Uh, she brought him the the manuscript, and then he right. passed it on to the right people. Well, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. I like that book. Yeah, I thought you told me you thought it was overrated one time. Uh, I I don't know, but I'm yeah yeah I'll stand I'll stand by that. It's fine. Uh, it's a long goof. It's fun. Sure, it's fine. It's a long read. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ben Halliburton writes. Speaking of Kelly. books that are too long, by the way, yeah, Kelly Wan, Last Ritual. I don't need 500 pages about this, do I? Yeah, I know. All right, that's I. We didn't finish it before I sent it to you. Well, it's I'm, Last Days. The Ritual was awesome. Oh, the right, I, the Ritual, right? Ritual was awesome. The Last Days. I'm like, okay, whatever. There's Adam, a good one called House of Small Shadows. I just finished those. It's right. Adam Neville. Yeah. Is it 500 pages? No, it's short. It's the shortest one. All it's right. really good. All right. I, I feel bad about last days. I was That's okay. I'm, I'm going to stick with it. I'm enjoying it. It's just still. It's my least thing. favorite. Like, yeah, you don't. He didn't need 500 pages to tell this story. It's it's a uh, 200 pages maximum. Yeah. I felt dumb when I finished it. I went, oh fuck. <laughs> now no, I've got Tom reading it. All right. Ben Halliburton writes, "Hey Kelly and the rest. This is a difficult one, but I'm choosing to interpret his movies with especially excellent high concept titles. Number three, Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below." <laughs> What? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know if he knows what high concept means. I do, is yeah, there anime coming? I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, all right. So he writes three things. All right, next listener. No, wait. No, no, no. Yep. What? Kelly One, listeners are wondering, what's this thing about children with deep voices coming from faraway no places? One's that. I'm Come thinking on. it. I, I, just, I just thought it just now. Yeah, let's do this. Kelly's leaking air. Someone put a sock in his mouth. Children who chase lost voices from deep below. Over the past decade, sentence-length titles like No Matter How I Look at It, It's You Guys' Fault I'm Not Popular, and Is It Wrong to Try to Pick Up Girls in a Dungeon have become commonplace in Japan. Shinkai Makoto followed this trend with CWCLVFDB in 2011. It's actually my least favorite of his movies, but it is about a young girl following a mysterious radio signal and discovering a verdant world containing the souls of the dead at the center of a hollow earth. So it qualifies anyway. I already like yep. that better than that thing with uh, George Clooney having a crush on the 12-year-old robot. Yeah, I'm with you. What was that called? Adventureland? Tomorrowland. Gravity? Tomorrowland, right. Oh, God. Gravity. 
Number two. <laughs> you totally, Rebuild. you totally did not understand. <laughs> I didn't know Tars was in Gravity. Number two, rebuild of Evangelion 3.33 colon, you can, parentheses, not parentheses, we do. Wow, what's this movie going to be about? When Hideaki Anno remade his classic series Neon Genesis Evangelion as a tetralogy of movies, people expected it to be the same plot, but with better production values. Nope. As the title suggests, the third movie should. <laughs> No one's listening to this. We, we have to read. Come on, work with us here. As the work with us, as the title suggests, the third movie throws the plot off a cliff with a fourteen-year time skip to a future where everyone hates an amnesiac Ikari Shinji for causing the apocalyptic third impact. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Janice Bailing wasn't in the <laughs> That was a challenge I set myself. <laughs> Too easy. Number one, only yesterday, Takahata Isao's 1991 masterpiece about a working woman in her late 20s, looking back on her childhood during a vacation to the countryside, actually has a different title than in Japanese, where it's Omoide Poroporo, <laughs> Memories Drip Drop, or Memories Boo Hoo. <laughs> Considering its status as a tearjerker, it lives up to that title for sure. Thanks again, Ben Halliburton. Oh, those were awesome, Ben. <sighs> What's the name of that last one again, real quick, that he mentioned? The Japanese uh, title for it? What was that? Uh, the Japanese title was... Omoi Poro Poro, Memories Drip Drop, or Memories Boo Hoo. Thank you. I just had to verify. The second one was Rebuild of Evangelion 3.33, colon, you can parentheses, not parentheses, redo. There's parentheses in a, in a movie title, along with Human Centipede Full Sequence. The third one was called Children Who Chase Lost Voices from Deep Below. That was actually the first one. Yeah, but he, we read him. It's a countdown for some I see. Reason. I see. Did you know that the reason they count down rocket launches is mm -hmm. from that movie with that French movie where the rocket goes in the moon's eye? They did a countdown in that, and they went, yeah, let's just go with that. They, they kind of – that made sense. Oh, because that's right. We hadn't launched a rocket when they made that eye in the – Right. They were going to count up to it. And they're like, wait, wait. It's still like in that stupid movie. How would they have known what to count up to, though? What number does a rocket launch on? Hmm. Well, they go, we'll, we'll go on six or something. That's a terrible – go on six? Why wait, six? Wait, are we going to get to six and go, or do we go on six? Six makes no well, sense. Maybe this is the exact conversation they had. <laughs> Look, this French movie. One, two, two three, three, four, five. No, oh my God, Kelly prematurely launched the rocket at four. Oh, Kelly Wand, you've ruined the space program. That's what I do. <laughs> Paul Weimer writes, 
Hi, guys. I work with movies whose titles could be read as a command or directive. Mm. Mm. That's a synonym for command. Number three, do the right thing. Second person imperative. Uh, it's a good title, but it's ironic. But he doesn't. That, that's just me editorializing. Number two, run, Lola, run. <laughs> yep. Do the Wait, right thing is, okay. is, is, though, directed at us, I think. It's not directed at right. us. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. I guess that's one way. I mean, he says it to the character, though. I know, but that's Spike Lee talking to us, I think. Where's Spike's character? Number one, escape from New York, period. Mm. <laughs> that's a command. According to Paul Weimer. Yeah, but who, nobody commands like that's nobody has ever. Better... I mean, I guess Snake eventually tries to do it, but that's yeah. not his mission, though. Right, it's a description. Yeah. They don't care if he escapes. Yeah, it's not an imperative. It's a description. Yeah, right. Well, that's the thing, Dingus. In in, in the English language, nouns can be verbs. Mm. Every single noun can also be a verb. That's unique to the English language. No other language in the history of all talking has ever had that. That's right. Every time a noun gets a verb, an angel gets its wings. All of those things you said that were nouns in that sentence could be verbs. Mm -hmm. I totally angeled that. Yep. I handmade myself. Arthur Giovannigelli writes, Number three, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. In terms of living up to a title, it's hard to beat this movie. The title promises a certain event will occur, and the movie delivers. Number two, Once Upon a Time in America. (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot of movies. Uh, Yeah, the Once Upon a Times, I'm always, I don't know, like they're all good, but I guess. For some reason, this title just seems to fit the movie, despite the fact that the movie was given this title to give unity with the titles of some of Leone's other movies. The source material was a book called Hoods, but the movie's title works for me despite being a bit grandiose. Number one, (laughs) Cloud Atlas. (laughs) That totally lived up to the title. Shares its title with the book on which it's based, and the title works well for both. I just love the way these two words sound together and the imagery they create. There's a passage in the book which describes what an atlas of clouds actually is, but the movie doesn't need this part to live up to the title. I don't say this enough, but you guys are great. Your podcast never fails to make me laugh and cheer me up. Thanks for all the fun and keep up the good work. Chris Markardson writes... Wait, wait, wait. I just want to say that I had never heard uh, that in the book there was an atlas of clouds. Is that what he says? Yeah. Because I never, you know, I I liked that movie, and I know that I think you guys found it horrible. Um, mm. but I'm I, glad it exists, but I, I I remember being annoyed when I found out that it was random which actor played which character in which timeline. Because I thought there was like a system to that, but apparently there was. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, that I, changed. They didn't like it anymore. But I like that bit of information that Arthur just gave us that there was an actual atlas of clouds in that, and that. That he feels like the movie didn't need that because it just showed it. I mean, I kind of like that. I like that because at first I was just like, I, I don't understand the title of that movie at all, even though I like the movie. But I like that he kind of explains it a little bit. I like efforts to try and film unfilmable books. So I support the mm. effort always, even. I mean, it was a big challenge. I don't know. I mean, it was, they're kind of. I take that movie over. Uh, 
What was the Milakunis one they did right after? Oh, we're Channing Tatum. Jupiter is Ascending? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If I have to watch one of those over again, I'd rather watch Oh, definitely. Did yeah. that movie live up to its title? <laughs> no. Huh. She did ride up a, like a, an elevator. Oh, right. Her name was Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. I remember you guys talking about that on the podcast. I've never seen that movie. I only know about oh, it. Oh, you didn't see it? It's pretty no. funny. You might I, wanna, say, uh, I do want to see Channing Tatum play a space dog. It's so bad, dude. It's so boring. She's really bad. She's not a good. Uh, I don't know. She was good in the uh, Black Swan, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Am I dumb? No, she was good in that. She's no, she terrible. was great in that. Everything's terrible. Chowski's terrible. But everything. Who's, no one's... Who's who's the dude who's so terrible? Oh, Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne. Yeah, you've got yeah. to. See, you, I mean, you kind of have to see it just to see what Eddie Redmayne is goofing around doing. All right, I'm going to put it on. Yeah, my... it's like it's like a lamer fifth element. <laughs> a fourth all that yeah Markardson writes hey guys I'm not exactly sure how to approach this I thought about going the anime route but I can't do that to Kelly see oh Markardson's is smart no he loves me we love each other number three in Bruges the movie takes place in Bruges and I think the setting <laughs> helps drive the plot which makes this Sorry, movie that lives up to that its over. title. I, I laughed over you. I apologize. <laughs> no, you, you said it. You summed it up. Number two. No, no. Empire just read S- what he said. I just couldn't help but laugh when he said the, the movie takes place in Bruges. The movie takes place in Bruges, and I think the setting helps drive the plot, which makes this a movie that lives up to its title. I mean, you know. It's yeah. in it. Number two, Empire Strikes Back. The Empire kind of strikes back. Number one, it follows. <laughs> nice. <laughs> it follows, and it follows, and it follows. A great movie that lives up to a great, simple title. Thanks, guys, Chris. That's you know, it. One of their producers said about when they were talking about whether oh, – do you remember that director's name, Dingus? I think he has like three first names. For what, It Follows? Yeah. No, I can't. Like Robert Mitchell Dean or something. Uh, But one of his producers was being asked about, hey, you know, it it did so well. uh, Have you guys considered a sequel? And he said, well, yeah, we've talked about various things we could do with a sequel, um, but we're not sure what what approach to take. And he was asked, well, like what kind of things do you talk about? And the producer said, well, I don't want to give too much away, but just imagine if you were to take the title and swap the words. Huh? See, I was. I thought that was pretty intriguing. Hmm. Wait, so you're following the? Yeah, thing? you're trying to like figure out what the deal is with it, and you follow it. Uh, Obviously, you guys aren't on yeah, board with this as I am. Yeah, but it would be follows it. Well, you drop the S thing. It's basically oh, incorrect. Follows, follows it would it. be like a, a fan of a Stephen King novel. Ew. Oh God. Uh, Stephen King into a discussion of horror. It's a terrible thing to do, Dingus. I apologize. What? He had his time. Uh, I have a runner-up that I watched before uh, The Handmaiden because I was thinking of, okay, movies about two women who sort of come together and prevail against uh, uh, difficult circumstances. So I watched a movie called – which I think this is a great title, and it is a triple entendre. Well, it's a double entendre with an irrelevant pun. Um, But I love the title Ginger Snaps. (laughs) do you, yeah. Do you know that movie, Kelly Wand? Yeah, Werewolf. Yeah, and the the fantastic Catherine Isabel. She's amazing. I love mm-hmm. her. But uh, her name is Ginger. Yeah. 
she turns into a werewolf, so she will literally like snap, and she also uh, hits oh, like she goes nuts. She gets her period, and she goes a little crazy, and uh, she snaps that way. And it's also a, a kind of a cookie, which doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it's there. Yeah, but she's sweet. Uh, it was, she's, oh, here you go. She's a redhead, and that's what uh, yeah, of her name is Ginger. And in Britain, they make fun of people with red hair by calling them gingers. Is that the college one? What's the college one? No, that's uh, they're in high school. They're fifteen and sixteen. And they're sisters. And the reason that, by the way, it didn't apply to my criteria is there's they're, they're sisters who are really close, but one of them gets bit by a werewolf and starts turning into a werewolf, and the other doesn't, and so they grow apart. Um, I don't. There's a college werewolf movie. I thought there was. Where Teen there's wolf? like No, stop it. <laughs> that's that's high school. <laughs> there was like like dorms and werewolves and keeping the werewolves out of the dorms. Underworld? No, not underworld. Oh, stop it. Never mind. Lost I'm not going to be able to figure it. Wait, I want to see. Dingus is talking about a siege movie where there's werewolves besieging a dorm. I want to see this. What is it? I don't know. Uh, I thought it was Ginger Snaps or something like that. Well, there have been actually Dingus. There have been three Ginger Snaps, so they might grow up and go to college. Yeah. Although I don't know how that works because she spoiler she dies in the. Into the first one. That doesn't matter. I guess she's not. in the second one. Yeah, but she she died. Well, she I think she's in the third Is one. It, I think she, the second one was just Emily Parkins, if I'm not mistaken. I've actually never seen the other two. Um, Arnold but, died in Terminator, and now look what we've done. Can robots really die? Hmm. So other runners up. Uh, nice to see you. <laughs> uh, Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice. No ampersand. But guess what happened when Kira Knightley decided to be in an adaptation? Ampersand. Pride, ampersand, Wait, so prejudice. Yep. That lives up to the title? No, it's not even an adaptation of the Jane Austen novel anymore. At that point, it's something totally different. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Jane Austen is a writer. I like she knew how to use the word and. She didn't just slap an ampersand on it like she was selling a product. But when they did the Kira Knightley adaptation... Pride, ampersand, prejudice. There you go. Isn't there a Jack Lemon movie called? There should be. Like an exclamation point. Like P F F F T. H H H H T. There could be a Bill the Cat movie called P T T T H B. Bill the Cat. It's better than a Garfield movie, Dingus. Which would you rather have? The latter. Yeah. Do you know who the voice of Garfield is in the movie, Dingus? Bill Murray. Yep, that's right. Do you know who the voice of Garfield is? Have you seen this Kevin Spacey doing a cat voice movie? No, what's what? <laughs> Nine Lives. It came out earlier this oh, week. Oh, it is Morris? No, he's a he's – a, he's a, so he's a, a father who's too busy to spend time with his family. So Christopher Walken puts him in a cat's body and has his family adopt him. How does so Christopher like Walken get to do that? They don't. It's like this Dapper. They don't know he's in the cat's like body, click. and we hear him talking. Like he's talking uh, to us, the audience. Like, oh my god, I can't believe this little girl's picking me up. Why this is my is daughter Christopher Walken yeah, playing God talking. or something? Why does Christopher Walken get to do that? Uh, he's like a magic animal person. Yeah. Oh, a magic it's, animal person, of course. It's like the gypsy and big, except that was a machine. But it's that kind of thing, you know. Zoltan or Zoltar or something. I can't believe you, got, you guys haven't seen Nine Lives. I don't know why yeah, you would know about that movie. Uh, one of my runners-up would be Unbreakable. I think that that movie really earns uh, its title. Um, I would also say The Heart Locker, or a movie that lives up to its title. Uh, 
and uh, of course the quiet Earth. And the Earth is pretty quiet with only three people left on it. It's loud though. What? It's not a quiet movie. They fight a lot. There's a lot of talking. There's a lot of talking in that movie. If it was just him, it'd be quiet. Also, how about Paranormal Activity? <laughs> What's the thing it's living up to? Because like that could breeze. have yeah, pretty much any horror movie <laughs> could be called that. Right. These are weird choices. <laughs> <laughs> the Happening. But I, what about that? How do you guys feel about the right. Wahlberg movie? The that happening? doesn't live up to the title. Nothing what are you talking about? <laughs> Plants rise up and try to overthrow humanity. That's a happening. That's not a happening. It is, too. <laughs> you wouldn't call it that. You wouldn't go, remember when that happening happened? But it's still... Oh, yeah, when the plants took over. <laughs> but you would call it, like, the planting or something. But it's you still happen- happening. <laughs> it's a happening. It happened. It's really vague. It's a very vague term that I don't think people would actually use to I, call it that. Yeah, I think it's pretty specific. How do you when feel you about... you call something a happening... How do you feel about No Way Out, Kelly Wand? Mm. There's a way out. He finds it. But it's oh. still a good title. Right. What about, what about the situation? <laughs> Do you like that as a title? <laughs> the guy? <laughs> there is a movie, The Situation. Uh, about like an Iraqi journalist, like a war photographer in Iraq. It's in Coppola is going to call Godfather Three the death of Michael Corleone, but then not kill him off in the movie. Oh, uh, so that would have been – wow. But they got – they're like – No, you got to call it three – the situation. The situation. Wait, what's that movie about? Is it found footage? No, it's just some. I, I've actually never seen it. It's an Iraq, a, a journalist in Iraq kind of thing from 2000. The objective. The objective, though, that's a different. That's about. Uh, that's about paranormal activity, and a happening. It's a paranormal happening. But Tom, that's not a double entendre. The title. Title. Yeah, that no yeah. one used that. I'm going to use that for my script. Paranormal happening. I don't want anyone <laughs> to steal that. The happening is a terrible title. It's awesome. What are you talking about? Any <laughs> um, qualifies, Kelly Wand. It's it's no, so perfect for any movie. Name anything. a movie. Name a movie. That's the thing. It applies to every movie. No, but name a movie. The Godfather. Name perfect. A movie? Perfect. Things happen. Waiting for Godot. Oh my gosh! There's a lot of waiting. Waiting is the thing that happens. It happens so much in that movie. And it's not a movie, by the way. It's a play. No fair. Blow up. Uh, Blow out. Yep. Blow with Andre. Yep. There's a dinner that happens. Happening. I mean, dinner the thing happens. is, it, it applies to every movie, Kelly Wan, because it's so it's perfect. Insane. It's so perfect, though, is why. It's, Name one mm, other title that applies to every single movie, other than the situation. The apartment. Nope. Because some of them are in houses. <laughs> Pineapple Express. Okay, you got me there. Birth of a Nation. <laughs> Frankenstein? Revenge. Have you, did, did Birth of a Nation come out in Germany, the Nat Turner biopic thing that just came out? I don't think so. Nothing comes out here huh. except snow. I kind of want to see that. Snow? Snow? It's an acronym. Did you know that? <laughs> what does it stand for? Snowden. <laughs> Dingus. I remember liking – okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, I was gonna, yeah, go ahead, Kelly Wand. Just the others I thought was like a cool title. Because we're the others. That's the twist. So others, we're others to them. Wait, what? No, we're not others. We. we. Yeah, we are. No, the living people. To the ghosts. Right, right. I thought you were talking about we. Right, right. Right. Yeah, but we're living people. So I like that. It's kind of a spoiler if you think too much about it. We're haunting her. Or if you think about the election that just happened. 
I try not to. <laughs> the others. That's what. Okay. What's the topic? Uh, I think it's what is next week's three by three. All right. These are your favorite uh, cons in movies. Now I'm not talking about uh, convicts. I think you guys know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about cons. I'm yep. About uh, James. I've got James down. Scott. Okay. I've got two up so far. Here we go. Okay, <laughs> can come up with the third one. Air. Uh, uh, Buford, Buford Con, their other brother. Wrath of. Oh, Very good. So you guys have your three. Oh, Air Con, I got that one. John Wayne and the Conqueror. Nope. Interesting. Do you know they all got cancer from that movie from the radiation? Because they shot it in Nevada. Oh, please. What? That's what I read. John Wayne. That's was a John smoker. Wayne. I believe he was a smoker and got lung cancer. Right. Well, there's. It's a theory that it helped. Okay. Yeah. He was a smoker. No, but everyone who worked on it. That's not true. A lot of everyone people. who worked on John Wayne. In the, I don't even know what it is, but everyone who worked on that died of cancer. You're saying a substantial number, and it was because they shot it. I mean, it makes sense because they shot it in the 50s at near Los Alamos. Like more than one in five of them, more than 20 percent of everybody who worked in that movie, because that like 50 above 50 percent, above 50 percent. So then, why did the people who were working there? And also expose the same amount of radiation, not develop symptoms of radiation sickness and get cancer from it. What, people who worked there? Yeah, why didn't everyone get cancer then? Well, I think they were like really near the area. Like they were like at the Chernobyl ground zero thing. But like the director regrets it. Like he, he cops to it. Dingus, can you corroborate this? No, my topic is about concert, apparently. Hmm. <laughs> All right, Dingus, what uh, is Because Kelly Wan, to keep Kelly Wan from picking James Conn and Scott Conn, narrow this down for us. And Wrath of Conn. And Wrath of Conn and Eric yeah. So a con is a confidence yeah. game. Um, See, Kelly Wan? And uh, oh. so uh, we watched a movie recently uh, that was about a long con or a long confidence game. Uh, you can say – I would say cons are confidence men, but I don't want to restrict this to just men. So um, I think that you guys know what I'm talking about when I say cons. And some of my favorite movies deal with uh, with confidence games or a scam. Um, you know, we've talked about lies before. We talked about favorite lies. I think that was one of Tom's topics. Uh, and maybe at that time we there was something about somebody might have put in cons in that. But these are just we're just talking about cons or confidence games. And what uh, if the listeners have some ideas? If the if listeners have any ideas of their favorite movies with con men, con women, or cons in movies, uh, they should write to 3 by 3 at quarter3.com. And, in fact, if they have uh, any ideas about the next movie we are seeing, they should also write that, but hopefully in a different uh, subject line, but also to 3 by 3 or 3x3 at quarter3.com. And what movie will that be? That will be a movie called Hell or high water. Hmm, interesting. Uh, cool. All right, so join us for that next week. Uh, a, a quick procedural note get your three by threes in by oh, yeah. Saturday night. Normally, you've got all through Sunday. We're recording a little early. So, minor detail just don't wait until Sunday if you want to send in a three by three of cons. Uh, unfortunately, you won't make it in time. Uh, so otherwise, join us for a, a podcast on Hell and High Water and a discussion of cons. I am Tom Chick. I've been here with Christian Minsky. 
It's Christian Morosky. And we had Kelly Wand. Godfather's an acronym. Uh. This was never the way I planned. Uh. Not my intention. I got so brave, drink in hand. Lost my discretion. It's not what I'm used to. <laughs> Dingus, let's share a cigar together. You must be a natural. Hmm. Only down there. I swore an oath to keep it secret. This lie has kept Apocalypse at bay for hundreds of years. We were afraid if the Queen's heart was destroyed, you'd lose your immortality or die. That wasn't your choice to make! He's the male gaze, huh? Fucking hell. Huh.